This is Strange Assembly, episode 265, Gen Con 2019 Preview. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Jay Earl. Hello! And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. We are talking today about Gen Con 2019, although I realize that calling it a preview may be overselling a bit. We're going to talk about some individual games that we're highly anticipating, but like top 10 highly anticipated games from these two people is a really long episode title, so... (laughs) Yeah, and significantly less interesting of a one. Because I bet there were at least a couple of you that clicked thinking this would actually be something interesting instead of just us rambling about board games. (laughs) Well, anyone who clicks on this thinking it's going to be something other than us rambling about tabletop games is... That's... that's, Made an error of judgment. (laughs) That is fair. I suppose suppose they should know better than uh, to listen to us, yeah. We apologize for anyone who thought that there was going to be some sort of insightful economic and political analysis going on here, because this is the wrong podcast. insightful, period. Yeah, (laughs) we're the wrong podcast for insight. So, Gen Con, we're going to assume that basically you all know that Gen Con is the largest tabletop gaming convention in this hemisphere. This year, if you don't count Trade Day, it runs from August 1st through August 4th in Indianapolis, Indiana. I will be there. Jay will be there. You can find our booth nowhere, because who do you think we are? We don't have such things. Yeah, we're... we're, No, we're we're nowhere near cool enough to have a booth. (laughs) No, there's the one podcast booth as far as I'm aware of, but that's not us. We're we're barely cool enough to actually go. What do you (laughs) booth? crazy talk yes we're 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 not uncool enough that gen con doesn't bar our entry no yeah exactly we we've met that threshold (laughs) just barely barely so what we're gonna do is uh jay and i are gonna go back and forth talking about our top 10 most anticipated games for gen con 2019 There's no objective criteria for this, right? This is just whatever it is that each of us feels is most interesting. There will be some commentary in here, perhaps, about why we think certain kinds of things are or not interesting, so you'll get some idea about why, obviously, why we picked the ones that we picked. Then at the end, we'll give you what we'll pretend is a more objective measurement by uh, taking a brief run-through of what the hive mind on BoardGameGeek thinks are the most anticipated things for Gen Con 2019. But why don't we kick it off with your number 10 most anticipated game for Gen Con 2019, Jay. Okay, so my number 10's a little bit of a cheat, because this was a... It's re- technically re- releasing retail releases at Gen Con, but it was a Kickstarter... I've actually already got the copy. I got it yesterday. I haven't brought it to the table, but I have looked at it. It looks very cool. It's a game. It's called Set a Watch. The theme is you're a party of adventurers. You're camping for the night. You need to set a watch because monsters are going to attack you at the night. It's a co-op game 
where waves of enemies are going to come at you and you need to fight them off and survive till the morning. That was Set a Watch by Rock Manor Games. It will be for sale at Gen Con. Uh, they are apparently in booth 2612 for those of you that are going and hopefully know how to read the ridiculousness that is the map of the Fender Hall. The exhibit hall dead. It's not getting any smaller. No. No, it is not. It's not that bad, though, right? Like, you start in the front left corner. If it's a three-digit number, the first digit. If it's a two-digit number, the first two digits are what aisle they're in, Mm -hmm. right? And you start over on the left at one, and it goes... I don't know. actually know what it goes up to. Is it 32 or something? I don't know. At least, yeah. And then the second two digits are how far back in the hall they are. So... If you have a company that is so like, I think six, maybe like 601 through 1201 are like right in front of doors kind of thing. Yeah, those are the ones that are going to be swarmed Thursday morning, just swarmed with people. Yeah, so all all other things being equal, the, the lower the last two digits are, the more the company, oh, well, literally it's the more the company has to pay for it, therefore it has to be a company that feels that there's something because it's it's for, for those first however many rows are our columns are actually in front of the doors once you get high enough in the columns i i i mean the, the higher and higher columns you're you know the company is paying less and less for therefore w- which means that that's where you're looking at more like more indie sort of games more small publisher sort of games and and where you start to get more accessory sort of products yeah yeah that's over there is where you'll find, like, the dice and the maps and the hats and all the other random accoutrements rather than actual specific board games. We have actually talked about Set a Watch before, I think, probably maybe last year at Gen Con? I, I start to lose track. Either last year yes. at Gen Con or PAX Unplugged, one of those. We, we, we <laughs> okay, so... My number 10, I'm going to cheat here, actually, and, and tell you what's not my, my number 10, because when I'm doing these things, there are there's, there's two things that I kind of think about a lot. One is, like, is the game a demo or for sale? It's a lot easier to get excited about something if it's for sale, right, rather than if it's just a demo. Right, you can bring it home at the end of the con. Yeah, and that also intersects with Kickstarter things in there. So when I look at like the next four things on my list that like are just outside of the top ten, every single one of them is a demo, and three of them are Kickstarters. You mentioned like set of watches is cheating because it's a Kickstarter. I, I mean it like it's not cheating, but there's also a like for me Edge of Darkness by AEG. That is a game that I'm excited. For. But it's a game that it's only available to demo at Gen Con. But for me, it's like I got excited about it and then I kickstarted it. And now I'm waiting for the game to come. Yeah. And it, so it like doesn't feel like a Gen Con thing to me. So like the Kickstarter games are in this odd spot. If I, if I kickstarted them, I, I don't feel like a Gen Con excitement for them usually. If I didn't kickstart them... It's hard to get excited at all because there's like that double-edged swords of Kickstarter exclusive stuff. There are some games where the Kickstarter version is so much better than the normal retail release. So if you didn't get on the Kickstarter, at least for me, it's it's really like the oh, I 
Well, I, I thought about kickstarting that, and then I didn't. And now, maybe I'd like to play this, but, I mean, I know now I'm be paying a similar price for something that's much worse, and, and that's the whole point, right? The whole point of offering that kind of stuff in the Kickstarter is that then the company gets to sell it directly through the Kickstarter, helping their cash flow by getting the cash up front. I mean, like, it totally makes business sense for the company to do that. That's the whole the whole point is to make you get excited and put into the Kickstarter. But still, it affects the way that I uh, select these here. So other than Edge of Darkness, like, the other two Kickstarters on here are actually, like, they're close because they're ones they had Kickstarter exclusives things, but they're not Kickstarter exclusive things that make me feel like I'm going to be getting like the crummy second rate version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If I, it's like, okay, this one had two promo cards. That's fine. Uh, you know, this one has like fancier dice in the box. Okay. I can live with that. So, so my 11 through 14 in no particular order, by the way, were endangered video vortex, love formula and edge of darkness. Video Vortex being the one that is not a Kickstarter. But my actual number 10 is Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle Defense Against the Dark Arts. Now, this game title is a little bit misleading in that it is not Hogwarts Battle, really. And also, it doesn't really have anything to do with Defense Against the Dark Arts. So keep that in mind. It is about Harry Potter, though. Well, it has to do with Defense Against the Dark Arts in that they change the game every year. <laughs> So Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle was a cooperative deck building game. It was quite successful and and is fun. Like if you but Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle Defense Against the Dark Arts is a two player only competitive deck building game. So it's like I don't know. I want to say Harry Potter Star Realms that's oversimplifying things. So you are in a duel with another wizard. Presumably you're practicing for Defense Against the Dark Arts class or something? You're Snape and Gilderoy Lockhart, obviously. <laughs> Come on. In the game, you'll, you'll have the ability to pick which house you're in and like pick who your starting ally is, which then becomes a modifier within your deck. So I, I suspect that there are going to be some play similarities. There, there are going to be play similarities with Hogwarts Battle, but it's not compatible. It's not an expansion. Right, like when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, it's an it, it's another expansion for Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, which it's not. But knowing it's it's by the same publisher, it's the OP, which used to be USAopoly, but since because I think they realized that Opoly is not actually a great branding thing for the hobby gaming market, yeah, <laughs> as it is for the mass market gaming market. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great branding if all you are selling is licensed Monopoly games. If you're trying to sell anything else it's not great and the op i mean most of their stuff is licensed almost all of it honestly but it's actual real games <laughs> and have been for several years they've just decided to change up the branding for this but the original hogwarts battle is a, is a solid deck building game this is probably going to have similar gameplay except it's just the the dual game instead of the multiplayer co-op it should be fun. The OP is at booth 137, and the game will be for sale at Gen Con 2019. Uh, what's your number nine, Jay? All right, so my number nine is a game called Chocolatiers. I mean, from what I've seen, it looks like it's a fairly straightforward set collection game. You take your turn. You have some options of which piece you want to take. You collect pieces. You're trying to build up matching sets, trying to score points that way by building patterns. 
And the theme, as you probably guessed from the name Chocolatiers, is the is a chocolate shop. The things you're you're trying to match up are different chocolates. You want to get the similar chocolates and and make pretty presentations to sell them off to customers. So fairly simple game, but I I like the theme. It sounds like it sounds like a nice fun light game. I like to have a certain amount of light games in, so you know you're you're getting towards the end of the night. You're not ready to call it a night yet, but you you've only got like half an hour, maybe an hour. You want something short and sweet. This sounds perfect for that sort of lineup. So that's Chocolatiers by Daily Magic Games. It will be for sale at Gen Con, and they are in booth two fifty. Okay, my number nine is. Unicorn Glitter Luck Cloud Stacking from Haba. I'm sorry, is this your number nine or your daughter's number nine? It's, it's my number nine on behalf of my daughter. Fair enough, okay. So, this is on here because, you know, is, is this my cup of tea? No, but a non-trivial amount of my gaming is with my kids, and I like to get things at Gen Con that I can then bring back and play with them. So Unicorn Glitter Luck Cloud Stacking, which is, I was not aware of this, not the first Unicorn Glitter Luck game by Haba. There was another Unicorn Glitter Luck game. I mean, it's, it's a stacking game. So a- Animal Upon Animal is probably one of the better known Haba games. Mm. And that's right, the same thing where you've got wooden pieces and you're stacking them up. So that that's a competitive game. Unicorn Glitter, Glitter Luck, I believe, is cooperative. But one, I mean, Haba makes really good little kids games my daughter is still five so she's not at the point where you know we can sit down and be like oh hey let's let's have the whole family play harry potter right like the harry a harry potter deck building game right she knows what harry potter is and they're like listening to the books but not at the level where she's gonna be able to like read a bunch of cards, or make, like, long-term strategic decisions? Just have her be a Hufflepuff, it'll be fine. <laughs> and yet, it's kind of weird. I This is something I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent about. The traditional Haba kids' games are in yellow boxes. They have a little separate line that are in pink. And I personally really do not like the whole gender coding of stuff. To include board games. And that's obviously what this is. But it is also a fact that my daughter loves pink. So literally just slapping pink on the box will make her more interested in the game. Plus, she likes unicorns. So I always want to be like, you don't have to like pink. That's no, ah, so stereotype. But like, you know, stop being a stereotype. But she likes what she likes. I, you know, you, yeah. you can't, you can't no, be like, yeah. no, you're not allowed I to like mean, pink because it's stereotypical. That's one of those things about stereotypes is there's usually some nugget of truth coming from them, usually blown way out of proportion. But yeah, eh, I think for some of this stuff, it actually goes the other way. Oh, you think it's self fulfilling prophecy that she's told she wants pink, so she likes pink. Not in a literal sense, but like, let's say, for example, my my other kid is a boy. He's eight right now and never really had any 
particular favorite color? What's your favorite color? All of them. And it took like a month at school for blue to suddenly be his favorite color. (laughs) So Uh. it's not like anybody sat down and said, blue should be your favorite color. Like blue has to be your favorite color. But we are social creatures. Yes. Yeah. Like how much of that comes from socialization sort of stuff. I don't. You can't, like, get inside somebody's head and, like, pick apart their neurons to figure out exactly where a particular... I mean, you could, but there are technically ethics laws that prevent <laughs> that, so... <laughs> I... Congratulations, Haba. Our discussion about your game has now devolved into brain surgery. <laughs> mm. uh. <laughs> yes. Y- unicorn glitter luck, cloud stacking. Yeah, it's from Haba. It is for sale at Gen Con, and Haba is in booth 2005, which is like in the, the kid family zone, right? They've got like a, a little area across, I think, two aisles maybe that is all kid and family game companies. So that is my number nine. What is your number eight, Jay? So my number eight is Periodic, a game of the elements. This is one of those... It would be interesting to see, if I play it, how much educational versus fun it's going. As you can probably guess from the the name, it's about the periodic table. It looks like the board layout is just the periodic table, that you're moving around the periodic table and interacting with the elements. So as I said, it could be really stupid and too much educational trying to be and take you away from the gameplay, but from what I've seen here, it looks like it is actually an interesting game using the periodic table and the educational is sidelined, which is, in my opinion, the correct way to do educational stuff. Get it by accident, that way they'll, they won't pay attention and try to stop you. So it looks like it's just a game mostly about interacting with the elements as they are on the periodic table, moving around, trying to accomplish different goals, do science and so forth. I don't know periodic specifically but genius games they have a whole series of these things you know ion and peptide and that are like chaining together molecules or assembling atoms or going through bodily processes and they are all indeed actual games they're not like garbage with an educational sheen to it right i would imagine that periodic would you know, you to that. <laughs> I don't see any but, reason for it not to. As as I said, I'm going off what I've seen in Board Game Geek, and it looks like it's an actual game themed around the periodic table rather than a way to force feed periodic elements in you. But uh, yeah, so that's periodic. It will be for sale from Genius Games, who appear to be in twenty one forty one. All right. So my number eight is I believe the one and only expansion on here because again expansions are the sort of thing when it's an expansion for the game that you like you're gonna be like oh well yeah sure i'm gonna buy that but is it really the thing i'm most excited about for gen con so usually not a lot of expansions on these but this is this is my one expansion appearing on here and that is through the ages new leaders and wonders through the ages is a civilization game it's one of the classics it got a an update in the last few years through the ages a new story of civilization instead of just through the ages a story of civilization there's card drafting off of a of a row right it's it's got the kind of thing you might expect you have cards coming down a row and they're more expensive when they're higher up the row and you have to 
balance your production and your food and corruption in your government and what your governmental system is. It's not a short game. New leaders and new wonders, like, right, it's more stuff. It's more stuff. I really like Through the Ages. I don't get to play it a bunch because it's long. And, you know, no way on earth this is getting played with the family. But I am excited to see uh, an expansion for it, including the fact that it's on this list. It's not only an expansion, it's also a demo. So it is from uh, Czech Games Edition. And Czech Games Edition does not have a booth because they run their whole operation out of a pair of rooms, 237 and 239. And I believe that is in the hallway that is opposite the tournament area, which is itself off of the exhibit hall. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like further down from the uh, exhibit hall if you're coming in the, you know, the main corner entrance into the convention center. But that is Through the Ages, New Leaders and Wonders, an expansion from Czech Games Edition, available for demo only at Gen Con 2019. Alright, so then on to my 7. My 7 is a game called Calico. This is a quilt-themed tile collection, set collection, puzzle-building thing. You're you're trying to build a quilt, you get tiles that are patches for your quilt, construct your quilt. The reason it's called Calico is because while you're all building your, your quilts, there are a bunch of cats hanging around, and what you really want to do is you want to make a pretty enough quilt that one of the cats will be like, oh, that looks like a really nice place to lie down. Cat comes over, lies down on your quilt. That is one of the ways that you score points, is how many cats you can incorporate, you can get to come lie down on your quilt. That is hilarious, because Jay had mentioned that there was a, there was a something of a cat sub-theme to his list. Yes, this is the start of the cat th- sub-theme. And so when you're, when you're just describing that game, and I'm like, oh, so like it's a calico cat, and I'm thinking like, oh, what if you're trying to build your quilt, but the cat's like coming over and trying to knock your yarn everywhere and destroy, you know, because as, as cats do. But right. no, the cats are apparently friend, not foe in this game. I kind of want to make that game now, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ca- it can be an expansion for Nitwit. I don't know. I I kind of want to make a game where yeah, you're trying to do something crafty, and there are cats that keep interrupting you and making it <laughs> difficult. Like you know, you're you're trying to knit on your lap, and the cat just comes and sits on your lap. So now you're having to knit up in the air because the cat's in the way. Or if you want to be really meta, like when you do the Kickstarter, you can have a little exclusive mini expansion for your game where the activity that you're trying to do is play a board game and then the cat <laughs> keeps walking across and trying to... Yeah, yeah. Because yes, yes. that has never happened to me. Our cat, it would totally... She would never, ever, ever walk across the board of every single game I ever play with yeah. Well, this this is why we have to pack the games up when we're done playing them, is so that she won't do that. <laughs> anyway, that was my number seven, Calico. It is for demo at Gen Con. It is by Flat Out Games. They are apparently demoing it in Event Hall D. My uh, number seven, which is also a demo, and my last demo, is Return to Dark Tower by Restoration Games. This is possibly the game that I know the least about on this list, and oh well, here it is anyway, right? Dark Tower is an old, old 80s game, the right, that was electronic enabled, and if you haven't heard of it, you probably don't care, 
Uh, <laughs> but right, like the, it would give you commands and 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 that sort of thing that like you must do this or that. It is being brought back by, or not is being brought back. It is a new version is coming out from Restoration Games, which, as you know, as their title is you know implies, one of their specialties is revamping old games, either like slightly updating them or like significantly updating them. They uh, right, they did the Fireball Island updates. Mm-hmm. So Return to Dark Tower, I haven't seen anything. I actually watched a preview video of it, thinking like, ooh, let's see what it is. And it's like, oh no, it's just an interview with the designer. Like, there's <laughs> nothing to see. But I'm intrigued that I'm like, it's, of course it's going to be app-enabled now, so like the game can send you messages on your phone while you're playing. Other players may or may not be privy to. That's really awesome. I mean, like, it's, I, and it, it is demo only. I totally want to go over there to the Restoration Games booth and see what they have going. I imagine this is the sort of thing that will end up on Kickstarter. Because, you know, what doesn't anymore. Right. But still, it's available for demo at Gen Con. And the Restoration Games booth is at 355. And now we're on to what? Number six, I think? Yep, number six. So my number six is called Three Laws of Robotics. This is a hidden information deduction game. And I I like those when I can actually get enough people together that are any good at it to, to play those. The twist on this is it's hidden roles... But the role is not hidden from everyone. The role is hidden from you. You don't know what your role is. You're trying to figure that out. It's called Three Laws because it's robot-themed. You're playing Asimov-style robots with the three laws, and those enforce how you're actually able to interact and guess at what role you might actually be playing and participating in. So that's Three Laws of Robotics. It is for sale by Floodgate Games, booth 249. I love the theme of this game. I saw the theme, I'm like, ooh, Three Laws of Robotics, that sounds cool. Then I saw that it was a hidden role deduction style game, and I'm like, yeah, this is Jay's, not mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is totally fair. I, I like those a lot more than you do. <laughs> So my number six is Draftosaurus, and Draftosaurus is a dinosaur-themed dice drafting and placement game. I'm sorry, but it just sounds like it should also be monster truck-themed. Here's (laughs) Draftosaurus, raw, eating the monster truck. Sorry, continue. It has nothing whatsoever to do with Dinosaur Island, but it is themed as a game where you're building a dinosaur theme park. You have a little board in front of you where you're going to be placing your dinosaurs. Each player gets a handful of dinosaurs, and you draft them. You draft the dinosaur, place it in your park, pass. Draft the dinosaur, place it in your park, pass. And at the end of the game, you will score a you will score points based on where you placed your dinosaurs. Like, each different enclosure has its own rules. Like, this enclosure, maybe it can only have, like, one kind of dinosaur. This enclosure, you can have different kinds of dinosaurs as long as they're the same size and then how many of the slots you fill in it's a very fast playtime it's supposed to play in you know 15 minutes or so and it supports up to five so dinosaurs are still a nifty theme i like drafting the people in my family like drafting and it has like the little dinosaur miniatures right to to put in your things that's draftosaurus it's from ankama i think maybe they are in 2660 but then they have some association with Luma Games, who's maybe in 3065. So 
you know, really just look at your map, but it might be it might be at where Ankama is or where Luma is, but it is for sale at uh, Gen Con. So my number five, and it sounds like Chris's number three, is Machi Koro Legacy, which if you've been playing for a while, you probably have played Machi Koro before. It's a dice game with where you're you're trying to build up a city. Every turn you're rolling a die or dice, and that tells you which buildings are are actually activated that turn. And then Legacy, again, if you've been playing board games for a while, you've probably heard of the Legacy movement, all of these Legacy games that started with Risk Legacy. So I'm really curious how this peanut butter and chocolate are going to go well together. That's Machikoro Legacy. It's for sale by Pandasaurus Games in 1441. As Jay mentioned, it is uh, it is number three on my list. I don't have a, a ton lot to add. Like, oh, Machikoro, know what that is. Ooh, Legacy, I like that. I guess the, the most interesting thing is that it, it managed to get on in no small part because I, st- despite some hits and misses, you know, well, there's definitely been hits, but like, despite the fact, there's also been misses. I'm still very excited by the legacy concept enough that this gets on here there's gonna come a point in time where i stop getting excited by something just because it says legacy on it or while i'm still interested in it it doesn't get on here like for example i still really like escape room games Mm -hmm. and i will continue to get them but it's it's hard for them to be on the most anticipated list anymore because it's another escape even when it's a different one like yeah, I'm not excited about it. I'm going to get it, but I'm not excited. Especially in a Gen Con way, right? The Gen Con is about seeing brand new different things, mm-hmm. you know, at least for those of us who go every single year. Yeah. But even then, like, there is a uh, Cranio Creations has an escape room style game that's it's being demoed at Gen Con called Mystery House Adventures in a Box. And it's an escape room game that you use the box as kind of like the room with clues and slots in it and stuff. So like, it's actually doing something different with the escape room thing, but it's also like, and and I like escape rooms, but again, like it's hard to get super excited. Will I look at it? Yes. But is it one of my most anticipated things? Another escape room game? Eh, Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But yes, Magic Horror Legacy is my number three, but my number five is Fight Club, the home game. Chris, what are you doing? The, you're breaking the first two rules. Yes. I first saw something about this at PAX Unplugged last year in the form of literally just a sign about it. They had nothing but the sign, but I'm like, ooh, a Fight Club game. So, you know, with some of these things, right, like when you have these just deluge of games coming out, theme is a way to get attention. That doesn't mean that you get on the list, <laughs> but it's a way to get attention. And I do like Fight Club. It has a lot of cool things to it. I feel obligated to point out that I am aware that the actual philosophies espoused in Flight Club are really, really awful. While there's cool-sounding sound bites, there it would be a really terrible way to be. Yeah, yeah. I think the the point of it that people miss because they're only paying attention to the surface is no, this is this is a horrible way to live your life. Yes, he's rejecting another horrible way but he does not embrace a particularly good replacement for how to live. You think? Uh, (laughs) So, Fight Club is a two-player-only asymmetric deck-building game where one player is is the narrator, or Jack, and the other player is... Yes, spoiler alert! um, (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. Yeah, and, and, and so the, the, the player who is Jack is trying to win the game by accumulating material comforts, <laughs> your khakis and, and such, all those things that you are not, according to the other player, while the other player is trying to tear them down and get them to reject that and get them to, you know, find something that they can actually sleep at night, that sort of thing. I like deck building games. They're doing something interesting with the theme with this one. It's not just generic deck building mechanic, slap a name on it. And so I, I definitely want to check this out. It's Fight Club, the home game, and it is from Mondo Games. They are at 3061 in the exhibit hall, and it is for sale. Wow, that sounds like a really cool single player game. <laughs> Indubitably. Yeah. All right, so my number four is Point Salad. This is a card drafting game where you're just trying to, again, make collections to get points. I'm really hoping that they are actually as tongue-in-cheek as the name would suggest. For those of you who aren't, like, real board game nerds, Point Salad is a common critique of a lot of Euro games because you get to the end of the Euro game and it's just a point salad of all of like, there's 37 different categories and you need a spreadsheet with a pivot table to actually be able to calculate all of the points you scored and who won at the end of the game. So I'm hoping it has that tongue in cheek. It does also have the taking the level of it's point salad. So you're, you're working with vegetables and you're making salads out of them. And, of course, it is itself a point salad for the meta level where I think every different vegetable that's involved has its own way of scoring itself. But, yeah, I, I do enjoy the point salad games. I know how to use Excel, so it should be a fun game, I hope. That's point salad. It is for sale by AG. They're in booth 701. And I'm pretty sure they're doing their big game night, and that's one of the ones that they're giving away if you if you manage to get one of the tickets to their big game night. Yes, I think the only thing that would be it would be even more meta was if Point Salad was designed by Steffenfeld. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, if only, if only. Now, AEGs, they're, they're always easy to find because literally it's like walk in the door. They are, yeah. they have been there for ages. Like if they ever gave that space up, they would never get it back. No, no way. So my number four is Abomination from Plaid Hat Games. Abomination is a, what do they say? It's a competitive game of strategic monster building. <laughs> it is uh, essentially Frankenstein's monster. You are competing to build the Bride of Frankenstein, who, as anyone would want, as any obnoxious person such as me, will always point out that it's not Bride of Frankenstein. The monster's name is not Frankenstein. The creator's name is Frankenstein. <laughs> I, I like I've heard this recently. Intelligence is knowing that Frankenstein was not the monster. Wisdom is knowing that Frankenstein was the monster. <laughs> I thought you were going to say wisdom is knowing to shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That's charisma. That's right. Yeah. That's charisma. Charisma is <laughs> shutting up about it. Yes. There you go. There you go. Yes. Now we just have to figure out. Okay. Strength is being the monster and punching. No. Uh. I, I don't. I like that. That's, that's, that's good. 
So you are essentially the the ultimate judge of who has made the best monster is that Frankenstein's uh, monster is back, the mysterious benefactor of gigantic stature who has emerged in the scientific community. And you're creating a companion for this. Beyond the thing, right, you're already... It's a worker placement game. I like worker placement. You know, your resource management, as is often with many things, but like you're gathering materials from cemeteries and morgues, <laughs> right? You're you're doing research at the Academy of Science. You know, you're you're hiring people to go help you get these components from, you know, wherever I'm sure completely savory place that they are are getting them mechanically you're you're looking at your traditional sort of euro game mechanics uh, from a company that's uh, been pretty good at that and then but then you've got uh, i think they really nifty theme on top of that so this is one that i'm i'm hoping will be able to deliver on both sides of it it also is one where one of the the questions that you kind of have to ask yourself when you're on gen con is is there a thing that i need to go get first Yes, always important. Where does that line that you need to rush? Yes, and I'm not asserting that abomination is going to be like the hotness. So you have to consider like how much you like things and how much demand there might sort of be for them. But it is a game that is actually really coming out at Gen Con, right? It's not one of these things that I don't think that's like also coming out in the store at the same time. One way to definitely get yourself off of this list is I already saw you and bought you in my FLGS. (laughs) <laughs> you can label it a Gen Con release, but come on. At least with the Kickstarter, there's that distinction between they want the Kickstarter backers to get it before they mm-hmm. sell it at Gen Con so that the Kickstarter backers don't get mad, right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like Sushi Roll. I'm like, okay, but I already bought that. I It's not really a Gen Con release. Anyhow, but it's like, so I haven't made my decision, but Abomination is one that I'm like, eh, maybe I want to go like snag that one right away because... I don't think it's going to be the hot thing, but I don't know how many of them they're going to have. But that's my my number four is Abomination from Plaid Hat Games. It is for sale in booth 823. All right, so we've come to my number three. So my number three is called Mental Blocks. I've only seen a few of these, I think because it's expensive to make the components, but it's one where you've got physical objects and you're trying to build towers out of them and and shapes and stuff the twist on this so it's it's a cooperative game where what exactly you're trying to build is not known to everyone everyone's got a different view of what the end product should look like so like maybe i've got the left side and you've got the front and together we need to figure out okay how do we put these blocks together to actually form the shape that is being suggested by these. And then also there's different difficulty challenges you could add in. Like you can have, nobody can talk. You have to use gestures to do this, or you're only allowed to touch a certain color or, you know, different things to add to the difficulty of it. But so it's a cooperative puzzle, physical game. And it sounds like it's nice that they've got different challenge levels so you can integrate different levels of people in. You can bring the kids in and just play it very straightforward, or you can play it with a bunch of board gamers and there's a trade potential trader mechanic to, to break it up and make it interesting. So that is mental blocks. It is for sale by Pandasaurus games. They are still in 1441. 
Ooh, double dip yes. on the top half of the list from Pandasaurus. Yeah, yeah. Well, we already talked about my number three earlier, so I guess we'll just slide straight into your number two. Number two, getting back to the cat theme, we're going to wrap up with a cat theme, is Isle of Cats. There's an island full of cats, and there's some sort of disaster coming. So you have to, you're, you're on a boat, you have to go, you have to rescue as many cats as you can. And, I mean, they're cats, they're in weird poses, it's, it's a tile-laying game, so you have to figure out how to actually get all of the cats into your boat so you can, you can rescue as many as you possibly can. And I think there's a few other ways that, that you get, are getting points, but that's the basic gist of the game, is you gotta rescue cats, cause they're, they're in trouble and they're kitties. It's for Demo Gen Con, I think they're doing a Kickstarter, so that's, Isle of Cats by City of Games. It'll be demoing in 2760. All right. So my number two is the DC deck building game Rebirth. So you've had over for a man a while now, you have both the Marvel deck building game and the DC deck building game. And the DC deck building game is is more straightforward, right? It's just really your mostly it's a you have a row of cards and you buy cards off of it. Indeed, one of the things that some have complained about is that it doesn't really treat the heroes and the villains that much differently. Like when you defeat a villain, they just go in your deck and they're just another card. They tend to have more attack sort of powers. So uh, DC deck building game Rebirth is its standalone. It's its own thing. But I, I mean, there will be cross compatibility with existing DC deck building game. It's not like it's not a rebirth as in, oh, no, you can't use your old cards anymore. But in Rebirth, there is no longer the whole villains go into your deck, and there are now movement and locations. So you actually will be moving around a, I don't know if it's a literal board, or probably not a literal board, but you'll be moving around the board to different locations. And so in order to defeat a villain, you have to go there. And so like you don't get attacked by a villain when another character plays a villain card out of their deck you get attacked by a villain because you're on the space with the villain and the villain attacks you. You can play it competitively or cooperatively. If you're playing it cooperatively, like you get a mechanical bonus for having defeated the supervillain, like a one-time thing that will like, you know, help you go along. Competitively, you get victory points for defeating the villains, right? Whoever has the most victory points at the end wins. So this one is up here because we regularly play the DC deck building game at our house that is actually a game that we can play with the whole family. Not that she doesn't need help with some of the cards, but my daughter can, in fact, add up power, plus two, plus one. I, I do keep having to try to convince her that kick's not actually a good card. The object is not to get as many kicks as you want, as you can. I mean, I guess technically this is an expansion, and I said earlier there weren't any more expansions than this, but it's not, I, I guess to me it's not really. It's standalone, it's a completely different way of playing the game, and so it will let us take a game that we play a lot and do it in a, a, a notably different sort of way that would address some of the critiques that some people have had about the way that the standard game works. So I'm really looking forward to the DC deck building game Rebirth. 
it is from Cryptozoic. They are in booth 503, and it is for sale at Gen Con. Leave just uh, your number one over there, Jay. All right, so my number one is a game called Furry Foodies. You're a hungry cat, cat again, cat theme, and you, you want to eat. And for some reason, the humans don't want you to eat, so they're going to try to stop you. It's another set collection game. One of the things I really like about it, though, is because you're a cat, even if you knock food on the floor, you're getting points because cats like to do that. <laughs> but yeah, you're just you're 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 just trying to sneak as much human food or as you can to to collect the most points. So yeah, it's a nice light cat themed strategy game. That's Furry Foodies by the OP. It's just a demo at Gen Con, but. I'm probably going to go check it out. Uh, that's the OP in 137. That leaves just one left on my list. And anyone who listened to our Gen Con 2018 preview has probably has a pretty good chance of guessing what my 2019 number one is. So last year, I got to put three role-playing games i think at the top of my list or i got to but did yeah this year there's just the one role-playing game on the list but it's kind of the same as one of the ones from last year and that is that the uh second edition of pathfinder is launching at gen con so it's for sale at gen con it is also probably for sale at your friendly local gaming store starting on the first day of gen con so this is a thing that you can go get right away, even if you're not at Gen Con. But uh, in brief, Pathfinder started out as essentially setting material for Dungeons & Dragons 3rd Edition. And then when Dungeons & Dragons went to 4th Edition, Pathfinder basically became Dungeons & Dragons you know, 3.75. Mm-hmm. So this is 3.8? No, no, it's not. It is definitely a change. It's not it's not third edition anymore. It's not like it's a completely different thing, right? Like, you know, D&D 5th is not D&D 3rd. And Pathfinder is not D&D 5th either. The biggest difference on a very high level between Dungeons & Dragons 5th and D&D 3.3, 3.5, Pathfinder, Pathfinder 2nd is, I guess, options. Right, D and D fifth is really a very straightforward game in a lot of ways. You have choices to make when your characters are leveling up, but they're relatively cabined. You choose which, you know, school your bard went to or college your bard went to, sorry, that that sort of thing. It's a lot more streamlined. Yes. The upside and downside, depending on what you're looking for of of Pathfinder, is that Everything is options. Everything is options. <laughs> D&D, like, also, right, like, th- there has been stuff added, but it's very heavily still, like, the classes are what the classes were when the game came out. Pathfinder will add more, it will, it will continue to add more core classes. You still have the feat thing going on as an integral part of the game, and there will continue to be feats, there will continue to be variants of the classes. There would just be lots and lots more things. It, it is absolutely something you can completely do just out of the, the core book. But once it's the kind of thing that, like, five years from now, 
you would have the option of just it's beyond the like I need a spreadsheet to track what my options are. Right. I need kind of these thing. 37 books. I'm getting one thing from each one of them to make my super OP character. Mwahahaha. Well, yes and no. The two reasons I would say you know, not really are of course yes, you you would need all of those different things if your goal is I want to make some sort of mechanically optimized thing. You don't need all of those things if it's just like I want to make a character. Yeah. But also because Pathfinder I I right I think even with second edition they're still operating under that OGL from D&D 3rd. And so all of the mechanical content for Pathfinder is actually available online for free. Hmm. Now you're not going to get all the pretty Wayne Reynolds artwork and it's you know you're not going to get all of the non-mechanical flavor sort of thing but yeah like right now if you want to make a pathfinder first edition character you can just go online and get all of that content i like having the actual books or barring the actual books one might actually like having the the pdf versions of the pretty things or there are subscription services not by paizo where you can like do all the character creation and see all the options online but no yeah you can get the mechanical stuff for Pathfinder for free. But personally, if it's the sort of thing you like, I, you know, support the company. I but you don't, but yeah, or you can do something like I'm gonna buy the core book and then I'm gonna buy, you know, supplements that I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. But maybe I don't go and buy a book that I'm otherwise not interested in just because there's one feat that I want to use. But D D is great, Pathfinder is great, and I have been playing these sorts of games for decades and decades, and at whatever point in time, because I assume that at some point there will still come a point in time, but maybe not, but right, if at whatever point in time, you know, D&D releases a 6th edition, right, it's going to occupy this spot. When Pathfinder does this, they're going to occupy this sort of spot. It's just, when you're talking about anticipation, there are board games that are, like, really fantastic. But a lot of the times, the, the the sort of board or card games that you play for an extended period of time over the course of years, they don't have a different editions often in the same way. I mean, like, when L5R went from AEG to Fantasy Flight and went from a CCG to an LCG and was a just different game, that made the top of our lists. Yep. But most of the times, that's just not how board games work, whereas... Last year, there were three role-playing games because there were new versions of role-playing games that I had been playing in one form or another for, I mean, let's see, D&D, that goes back to, like, freshman year in high school? Vampire, The Masquerade, that went back to sometime later in high school? So you had Pathfinder from last year, which is, like, I, you know, spiritually is a, to me, is a... It, it, like, I now have D&D and Pathfinder as, like, two branches of the same tree, basically. I don't know how much either company would appreciate me thinking of them <laughs> like that, but I do. Yeah. And then you had a new version of Legend of the Five Rings role-playing, which does not go all the way... I mean, playing well, playing the card game, and that world goes back to high school for me. The, the role-playing game... Was it college, maybe, when I first had that? I don't know. Anyhow. Right, so that's that's the kind of reason why these can end up here. So, regardless... My number one is Path- is Pathfinder. 
It is from Paizo. They're in the front corner. You cannot walk in without missing their booth. It is for sale right there in the front of the hall from Paizo. Uh, that is Pathfinder 2nd Edition. It is the thing I am most excited about for Gen Con 2019. So, as always, we spend longer on these than I ever have any desire to spend editing. But I did still want to go through, like, that is our personal things. But I wanted to kind of go through, like I said, the, the I, I don't know if objective is the right word, but right, the sort of like board game geek hive mind notion of what the hottest things will be at Gen Con uh, 2019. And there's a couple of ways that one might look at that. Like there is literally the hotness, of course. And I would note that your set of watch is, at, at this exact moment they're recording, set of watch is third on the hotness. So, hey, maybe there will be a line of Maybe. people showing up. And then, oh, I just realized I I don't know about it. I think they're, like, I mean, let me hop back to the world. I just, I, I, I we've gone through this whole thing, and so this is just going to stay in here as me going, ah, oh, I forgot about this. I don't know if it's actually going to be there. There's, like, a new version of Cyberpunk coming out, too. Huh. Okay. Because you've got the new, the video game, like, 2077 or something. Although, amusing, remember the original Cyberpunk was, like, Cyberpunk 2020? I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's it's not going to be Cyberpunk 2020 anymore. It'll be set in between 2020 and like 2077. I think is when the the thing is. But that's our Talsorian. They have a booth at Gen Con, but now I am I'm letting I'm letting you down, uh, listeners, on what exactly is is happening, if anything, right at Gen Con with with the new Cyberpunk. But so set of watches there. So Board Game Geek has this very useful Gen Con preview. We are, it turns out, drastically smaller than Board Game Geek and not in the business of putting up this, this sort of detailed information where you can look at all the sort of things. But you can see what is thumbed the most on Board Game Geek or what people, somebody has a geek list for like which games the most people have marked as must have or interested, you know, and whatever these are, are, are worth. But I, you know, I thought it might be like interesting, like here are things that other people are marking that and and then we can chime in with, anything as appropriate but the number one thing is i on on so here's the interesting so the number one thing on the list is isle of cats <laughs> everyone agrees everyone agrees kitties gotta gotta save the kitties it, yes although uh, there's a reason i think why it's here that's not related to gen con and i've forgotten whether or not you mentioned this jay this was your number two jay but it's on kickstarter right now so Isle of Cats is on Kickstarter right now, and by the time you get to Gen Con, the Kickstarter will be over. So you can demo Isle of Cats at Gen Con, but again, right, it's the sort of thing, like, if, if you hear about Isle of Cats, you're like, that is a really cool concept, you don't want to wait to Gen Con, you want to go look on Kickstarter, because I, I have not, but I'll bet that there's some sort of Kickstarter exclusive component to that. But yeah, that is Isle of Cats. The game with the second most thumbs is Bargain Quest the second edition. Uh, and in fact, if you look at like the items with the most thumbs, an awful lot of them are also expansions for Bargain Quest, because this is the second Kickstarter edition of Bargain Quest, which then also produces a bunch of side expansions. Bargain Quest is a game where you're the merchants selling equipment to the heroes who then go off and fight the monsters. It's a really nifty concept, but it's also like a second edition and something that went through Kickstarter, so... Yeah. 
some of the other ones that are are high on the board game geek sort of uh, hive minds view is is Hall of the Mountain King from Burnt Island Games. That's a demo, but that is another one that has gone through Kickstarter. Capstone Games is selling Pipeline at Gen Con, and there is a some literal route building with laying pipelines, but the theme is something like the government is finally privatizing the oil industry, and now you're all competing. There's the Artemis Project, which is a, a dice placement game. That is from Grand Gamers Guild, which also did Endangered, which I mentioned earlier. This one is this one was a Kickstarter, but it is actually for sale now. And the Artemis project, I believe, is uh you're you're drilling down into Europa, the moon of Jupiter, and as competing economic interests. There's Terror Below from Renegade Game Studios, right? Like you're out in the desert and there are monsters coming up. Black Angel, which is a, what, twa in space, basically, from Pearl Games. That's that's for sale. There's the, the somewhat misleadingly named Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated Upper Management Pack. As was announced at PAX Unplugged last year, they're making a Clank Legacy game that is cross-branded with Acquisitions Incorporated, which is a, what, Penny Arcade spinoff? It, right, it started as an, like, an actual play series, yeah. and, or continues as that. But like you may have noticed, there's been a whole bunch of Acquisitions Incorporated cross-branded stuff. The capstone being that like they literally released a Dungeons and Dragons Acquisitions Incorporated book this year. So Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated, and if you're not familiar with Acquisitions Incorporated, it's like what if you took like the traditional D and D activities of going out and killing monsters and fighting treasure or not, and like you actually had a company where that was what the company did, and it's a and it's it's a comedy. And so Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated is not out yet, and it is not coming out at Gen Con. Maybe there'll be more about it. I don't know. Packs unplugged. But so I saw this and I'm like, what? I didn't. Th- I didn't know that Clank Legacy was out yet, and it's not. But this expansion is compatible with normal Clank and with Clank Legacy. And so the Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated expansion is being released before Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated. It's a little confusing. Mm. Hilarious, yeah. Actual game would have been on my list, but it's a little it's like a little weird. Also Renegade Games is coming out with a Power Rangers game and a bunch of expansions for it. This one ran through Kickstarter and the problem for me is like I'm just a little bit too old for Power Rangers. Like if it was like the exact same thing except you I don't know called it Voltron instead. Where are you in the Power Rangers scheme of things, Jay? Yeah, I I was there for the first wave and then missed out, so it's not a huge nostalgia itch for me. Eggert Spiele has Era, Medieval Age, that's for sale. It's a roll and write, but instead of being a roll and write, it's a roll and build. So you have a little board where you're physically putting your little your city pieces in to a like a pegboard instead of drawing them on a a map. I'm not like a huge roll and write person, but it seems like if you like Roland Wrights, this is way better. Because it's got little miniatures to physically build your city with. <laughs> Was there anything else that you 
you, you wanted to highlight from like the top of the this is what BGG the BGG hive mind thinks might be the thing to get. Yeah, I, I think you've covered everything that had piqued my interest in there, so. And of course, we haven't talked at all about Fantasy Flight in this entire thing. That's usually the question, what's Fantasy Flight's big thing? I haven't seen anything, really. I mean, but they're, they're usually so to, close to the vest, like, I know that the Clone Wars Legion is coming, but I don't know if it's actually going to be a Gen Con or not. It seems like they don't announce anything until it's like the week of or the week before. So we're we're recording this too early to have seen anything that like Fantasy Flight is actually like would actually be new there. There's not a new LCG hitting as far as I'm aware. That's the sort of thing they like to launch at Gen Con. Yeah. I'm sure there will be a lot of focus on the new Lord of the Rings thing that they have and still do Legend of the Five Rings. You still can't go wrong stopping by Fantasy Flight, but mm-hmm. you you probably want to like go to the Fantasy Flight website on like Wednesday and see what they've announced over the last week and a half. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the they do their in flight report Wednesday night where they're gonna I mean, that's that's not going to be a lot of at Gen Con, but that's where they're going to announce their big stuff for the next year. So that is uh, a little bit about what the world as a whole might want to see at Gen Con and what uh, J&I's top 10 at Gen Con will be. We will both be at Gen Con this year. We'll be there at least all four days and however much of Wednesday. We're there for, I think this is the first year where neither of us is signed up to do any of your you know big tournament sorts of things so i can't say hey check us out on friday at the uh l5r grand cote or something like that but you know if you do happen to see some random person wandering by in a strange assembly shirt say hey chris yeah because nobody else has their shirts Yes, but don't you have one, I think? I have one. I will probably wear it one of the days if I can find where I hid it from last year's Gen Con. (laughs) Whereas I I do indeed have enough Strange Assembly shirts that I wear. It is kind of funny. I'm not going to do it different because it's like our show, so I how could I not wear our shirt? But like, when I go to these conventions like this, Rebecca, it's like the geekiest sort of thing, and yet I can't wear like oh, let's, what's my coolest, like, super geeky t-shirt thing? It's like, oh, no, it's just my t-shirt for my own podcast, of mm-hmm. course. Yep. You do get to see things like, like, I have this really nice N7 Mass Effect hoodie, and I can't wear it these days because it's too warm right now, you know? Yeah, I was, I was going to say, Gen Con is not the place for a hoodie. It is not. It is not at all. I'm thinking, like, man, should I just, like, wear shorts? I It's just so hot. Yes. It is yes, so hot. Yes, you should. Uh, but... You know, normally, if I wear that on a normal day to a normal sort of place, that will be a the sort of accessory that most people would just never see. Like people will recognize, like people will recognize and be like, "Whoa, that's so cool!" Which is like that's nice when that happens, right? Who who doesn't mm-hmm. like that? But I can wear that at PAX Unplugged and like see, you know, a half a dozen other people wearing the exact same thing, which is a different kind of cool. Right, yes, it's not. Yes, it is. It, it's not the like. Oh, I'm the one with the unique. You get to be on the club. But yes, yes, it's like the. Oh, these are my people. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And because it's Gen Con, I can't like layer something over the T-shirt. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, I've got my 13th Doctor coat. Yeah, no. What, are you crazy? <laughs> you, you could, if you really want to lose like 20 pounds of sweat by the end of the con and see the hospital at least four times for heat stroke. Uh, no, thank you. And <laughs> no, thank you. All right. <laughs> So yes, you, if you if you see Jay or I, hopefully we will indeed be functioning human beings, not a melted puddle of sweat on the ground because we were foolish enough to try to layer clothing <laughs> at at in in Indianapolis in August. So if you if you do happen to see us, say hi. But you have been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can download episodes of this podcast or subscribe to the podcast there you can also find our podcast on itunes and uh, you should be able to find it anywhere that you otherwise go to download your podcasts i know we had some issues with that so if you are listening to this but you are not finding strange assembly episodes on your pod catching service please let me know so i can try to address that situation i am chris at strangeassembly.com I also love to hear from you about any of your other comments, criticism, feedback, praise. I, Oddly enough, especially like praise, if you happen to have any of that. Uh, <laughs> you can also find us at the usual social media. We are at Strange Assembly on Twitter. We are Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly. And we're also Strange Assembly on Instagram, which is often not super relevant, but probably will be much more relevant when we're at Gen Con and there will be lots of interesting things to take pictures of. But until then... For Jay Earl, I am Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.